Envisioned Broadcasting. Envisioned Broadcasting. The station designed to encourage, equip, and empower you for growth and success. An affiliate of Direct Impact Broadcasting and Creative Broadcasting. Presenting the Empower Hour with Jerisha. A show that shares the stories behind the journeys of leaders, influencers, and motivators. The Empower Hour with Jerisha begins now. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Empower Hour with Jerisha. I am your host, Jerisha Moore. A little bit about myself, I am a best-selling author with over 18 years of combined experience in education, finance, healthcare, business management, and development, and sales, owner and founder of Empower on Purpose, LLC, where we provide leadership training and personal professional coaching and consulting services, certified coach, speaker, and trainer with the John Maxwell team, and owner of Envision Broadcasting Radio Station. So I want to tell you guys about something that I came across a few years ago. So I was introduced to a tool that has completely changed my business and home life. If you're anything like I am, you strive to stay focused and organized in every area of your life. And even though using planners, journals, and notebooks can truly help you with this, there is a tool out there that all people should know about, especially if you're managing your everyday life, this tool will truly help you do just that. So as a matter of fact, I want to tell you guys about, like I said, this amazing, amazing tool. I don't know if you guys have heard of it, but it is true. It is called Trello. Trello is a tool that truly helps you stay focused and manage all of your life projects that you have at home and at business. And Empower on Purpose is actually offering a free master class to help you do just that. This master class is being offered on Monday, July 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. To register, please email admin at empoweronpurpose.com. Space is limited. And as far as I know right now, there is less than five spots open. So Get registered today. Again, it's admin at empoweronpurpose.com. So today's empowerment quote is, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts by Winston Churchill. Okay, so this quote is very interesting, and to me it is just so good. Let's take it piece by piece. I truly love being able to break down a quote, break it all the way down, so that we can truly get a better understanding and how we can apply it to our lives. So the first part says, success is not final. I believe that my success journey is not going to be the same as yours. I define success as knowing my purpose in life, continuing to grow and reach my potential, and empowering others. By this definition, success is a journey that you're on from the day you were born until the last day of your life. It's what we always strive for, and so it's never final. Just like we know that growth doesn't have an end date, success doesn't either. The next part says failure is not fatal. I truly believe that we are all so scared to fail and fear failure, and the only thing that failure truly does is provide a learning lesson for you. We all fail. And some of us fail over and over and over again. But guess what? It's not failure. It's not a disease. It's not a life sentence. It's an opportunity to learn and push through it. And, of course, that brings me to the last part that says it is courage. It is the courage to continue that count. So I just said that, you know, you have to keep pushing forward. We have to have that, under, have that understanding of what success looks like for us and how we're going to fail forward. It takes courage to get back up. Dust yourself off and push forward. I know that you can do it. You just have to believe that you can do it. So I challenge each and every one of you guys that's listening today 
to write down what success means to you in the five key areas of your life. That's your financial area, the spiritual, personal and professional, health and fitness, and then relationships. And then write down how you will fail forward, if and when that happens. And I say when because we all know that it will happen. We all fail at some point. I truly think that if you're being real with yourself and understanding what success and, and understanding success and failures and what that truly means and how you can keep moving forward, that is the key. Remember that you are created for greatness. And no matter what, let your greatness shine. So amazing people. I am so excited to welcome my special guest this evening. And I'm even more excited because we are in the same city and state. She is a fellow Daytonian. My guest this evening is Tiffany Countryman. So let me tell you a little bit about Tiffany Countryman. Tiffany Countryman is the true definition of God's redeeming favor and lives by, and lives by the creed, work hard, pray harder. As a Daytonian, Countryman has a strong desire to be a leading figure in the renaissance of pure ministry and black creativity within her city and community, Dayton, Ohio. Countryman was ordained in ministry in November of 2008 and was inducted into the Academy of Young Preachers in January of 2012. In May of 2013, Countryman founded Ministry is, Ministry is Me Ministry, which is a faith-based organization that develops character, serves our community, and exalts Christ. Since January of 2015, she has been a member of the Mount Pisgah Church in Dayton, Ohio, and, a faithful, and faithfully serves under the leadership of Dr. Bishop K. Edwin Bryant. Her love for ministering and speaking is evident in every word that she declares. As a writer, Countryman has had a love for writing and storytelling since the early age of 16. Her writing is a direct reflection of her passions and is used as another extension of her personal ministry. During the early stages of her trailblazing, she has already written, produced, and presented three original works since her playwright debut on her birthday in October of 2018. I wish I had a daddy. Continuing the legacy of an extraordinary and colorful writing that has been passed down through her maternal grandmother and mother, Countryman is projected to write, produce, and present 25 original works by her 40th birthday. Countryman is a proud graduate of Sinclair Community College in Dayton, Ohio, where she completed her degree in communication studies. Along with serving in a full-time ministry, Countryman is also an accomplished playwright a writing coach, a member of the Board of Directors for Neighborhoods Over Politics, a co-host of the podcast titled Millennial Motherhood Uncensored, a co-owner of Living the Dream Entertainment, and is a delighted wife of Terrence Countryman. Together they parent two children, Carol and Gabrielle. It is the primary goal of Tiffany Countryman to continue to lead souls to Christ to continue in assisting others in fulfilling their destinies and continue to, cre to creatively contribute to her community until her mission is complete. I am so happy to welcome Tiffany Countryman. Thank you so much for being on the show today. How are you? <laughs> First of all, let me apologize <laughs> for yelling at my having me on this call. We have talked 
outside of this call. We met on LinkedIn, and we've just been connected mm-hmm. ever since. So I want to say thank you so much for being a sister, for being a real businesswoman, for being professional. So I applaud you, and thank you so much for taking me in as your tribe and allowing me to take yes. you in as well. Um, so with that being said, I know I know that you're a humble woman because our spirits agree mm-hmm. with each other. So it, I know you know that feeling of hearing your bio being read and you looking around, you're trying to look out your side, the side of your eye like, oh, my God, oh, my God. That's how I feel. So I don't have anything to add. I'm just grateful to be here, and I can't wait for this conversation with us today. Absolutely, absolutely. So you are truly amazing. And, you know, your bio speaks for itself. And as you said, I'm really excited to be connected. And um, if you can, you know, just share a little bit more about, you know, what is your greatest passion um, you know, with you and in your your business. Um, well, I, my greatest passion is just simply helping others. I love helping others to see the greatness within themselves. Um, I I really strongly believe that everybody is great. Even if we start from the beginning, we made it out of one million sperm. We was the ones that was chosen to be here. So God handpicked us. The Bible, if you're a Christian, for those that are listening, the Bible is emphatically clear when it says that we were we were thought of before the very foundations of the world. So there's a reason why God has us here. There's a reason why we're here doing this dispensation of time. There's a reason why we're going through certain things in our personal lives during certain times so that we can help people in that time. So I have just decided to be yielded. Um, to God to not only allow the greatness within myself to shine, and I know that might sound cocky to some people, but when you understand that everybody is great, you don't have a problem mm-hmm. acknowledging your greatness because you honor everyone everyone else's greatness. So I know that God put me here not only to allow my greatness to shine, the talents that he has given me, but to also help others to acknowledge the talents that God has given them and to help them shine as well. So my greatest passion is just helping others to see that, you know, the best way to live is a limited, limitless lifestyle. We are limitless with Christ. We can do anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, just a background story for that real quick, um, growing up, um, I was always like the weird one. Like I was the weird one in my family. I was the weird one in school. I was the weird one at church. Like I couldn't really find my place to fit in. It's not that people were mean. I don't really have a long history of bullying and being teased and, you know, being talked about. I consider myself to be sort of kind of in between the cool kids and the non-cool kids. So it wasn't like that. It was just an inner, a inner feeling where I knew that this was not my place. And it wasn't until I was about 27 or 28 after my daughter was born to where I realized that God created me to be a leader. And when you are a leader, you don't fit in in other places because you were called to create your own place. So I just remember growing up and not really fitting in. And people, I don't want to say not accepting me, but not really understanding me because I've always been different. I've always been outspoken. I've always been creative. So with that, I try to allow other people who are creatives who don't really have that safe haven or haven't really found their place yet, I let them know, hey, you got a safe place with me. I accept you for who you are. If you want to pierce your eye, pierce your eyeball, I'm still going to love you. So come on over here. So it's just really acknowledging the greatness in other people. That's my greatest passion. Absolutely, and I absolutely love it. Yes, so you talk about, you know, creativity and um, on that, let's talk about, you know, Tiffany Countryman, the writer. Tell us okay. how you truly became a writer and what you have written so far. Tell us more about that. Okay, well, growing up, um, I want to say probably around the high school is when I really discovered my niche for writing and wordplay. And let me say this to those who who uh, think that they have to be 100% supreme in the area to be used or to be great. I, Jerisa, I am a horrible speller. I am a horrible speller. I am horrible with grammatical errors. I'm just not that structured. Like, I can write, but when it comes mm-hmm. to the structure, I have always had an issue. Even to this day, I have to second look at posts and stuff like that. Um, so 
with writing, I've always had a passion for it, but I never really yielded into it because of that biggest setback for me. Like, I remember back in the day when, you know, schools, when I used to have, like, the brown little uh, report cards, and it was written in ink, mm-hmm. and you had to bring it home, and your mom had to sign the back of it, and your report card will follow you from grade <laughs> to grade. And I, I might be telling mm-hmm. my age, but the report card follows <laughs> And one of the um, the subjects back then was spelling. I don't know if you remember this, but an actual subject yes. was spelling. And I will always get low scores in spelling. And it really messed with my self-esteem when it came to writing. So um, it really wasn't until high school and my senior, my junior, senior high school, when I had to start writing, you know, to petition for scholarships and for grants and you know how you have to write the essay. Tell me your story. Tell me your biggest struggle. Why should we give you this money? And when I was writing those essays, that's when I really uh, saw my writing come into life. So fast forward to 2017, 2018. Um, I was um, going to therapy because I had some daddy issues, okay? I was one of them black women that was angry at other men because I didn't have no daddy and I didn't understand and all that good stuff. So... I went to therapy, and a part of the process of therapy was writing out what I was feeling. So my therapist told me to go home and write some letters to your father. Write letters to your father to talk about situations that you still remember. Why are you so angry about them? What is it that he did that made you angry? So me me being creative and colorful, I didn't just go home and write. I ended up writing a whole play. So that's Mm. how I wish I had a daddy came to fruition because when I was writing out, these different scenarios, I wrote them like an actual story. And so I turned it into a play, uh, connected with a great friend of mine, Ms. Marvel Williams Parker. She's the di- She was the director of the show, but prior to that, she has been a professional actress. She's been on screen. She's been on stage. She's traveled. She was uh, featured at Sinclair plenty of times, so she had that the- theatrical niche. So I was able to partner with her, and we were able to put the show on stage. Lo and behold, I just kept writing. I just kept writing. So since then, I've written, I've actually written five shows total, but we've only been able to present three Mm -hmm. uh, thus far. Um, So that's how it really started. So we did I Wish I Had a Daddy. That was the first um, stage play. Then we did The Daddy Diaries, which was a series of monologues. Are you familiar with, like, the vagina monologues? Mhm. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. So it was like the vagina monologues, but instead of for talking about the vagina, we were talking about daddies. We were talking about different mm-hmm. scenarios that a child had with their father. Good, bad, horrible, sweet, funny. It was, I want to say not eight. It was eight different stories that we put together, and it was a, a series of monologues. So that went down. And then here recently we did August 28th, the musical we did that in February um, for Black History Month. It was awesome. I loved writing mm-hmm. that show because I, would, I had to do a lot of research. I had to really, um, how can I say this? I really had to pull out the meat from something that was mm-hmm. so meaty. Like, how do you condense the March on Washington to a 90-minute show? Uh, so it was a great, it was a great mm-hmm. challenge for me. It was a challenge for me in so many ways. Uh, just that whole show period was just so challenging. Um, and, of course, when you're in it, you don't appreciate the challenge. But now that I'm on the other side of it, I honor that challenge because it really uh, that was really a sharpening time for me. And then, you know, COVID hit. Um, so when COVID hit, we were actually going to start our mommy series. So we were going to do the mommy moments for May. Um, and then we were also going to do the second part to I Wish I Had a Daddy was Mama Did Her Best. So I Wish I Had a Daddy um, and Mama Did Her Best as a part of a trilogy that, I, that I've written. Um, so let's, I Wish I Had a Daddy, which is about my father, uh, Mama Did Her Best, which is, of course, about my mother. And then the third one will be Thank God for Granny. And then we'll talk about how my grandmother was really the one that raised us and reared us. And if it wasn't mm-hmm. for her, we wouldn't be here. Um, so aside from that, I'm also in the middle of um, developing a single mother's journal um, with nine different authors across the country. Um, we're doing that, and that, that, is, that is slotted to hit in February. Again, with COVID, we just don't know a lot. So that's pretty much my writing works uh, so far. That's amazing. That is, you know, that <laughs> yes, that is absolutely amazing. I want to <laughs> Wow. Draw a little bit of attention to 
um, you know, something that you mentioned, and that was uh-huh. the fact that you recognized that it was okay to go to therapy. And, yes. you know, because I think that in our community, a lot of people don't look at it. You know, when you think about going to, to therapy, it's like, no, I don't need no therapist. I don't need no coach. I don't need, you know, anyone. And how I think that we have to really be okay with mm-hmm. getting the help, getting that advice, getting that support Absolutely. that we need. So I, I just I wanted to bring that out um, and I'll draw attention to that because I think that's so important. Um, and let me say this. Let me say this about the point that you just made. I wish I had a daddy was an actual therapy session. So mm-hmm. the main character, Amber, she's in a therapy session with Dr. Blackwell. And I, I named the character Dr. Blackwell because that was the first uh, female physician in the country. Um, so Dr. Blackwell mm-hmm. is in this therapy session with Amber, and then she actually, the, the, store, the stage goes back in time. So it's like she's talking to the therapist, telling the therapist what happened, but the actors are acting out the actual scenes. And so I did it in October, well, number one, because it was my birthday. I'm not even going to stunt. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, <laughs> because that is uh, Depression Awareness Month. Um, mm-hmm. So we really we really hit hard. And, and the, last, the last scene really talks about therapy. And it talks about how the father ended up going to therapy. And that's what pushed him to call Amber and apologize while Amber was in therapy. And the pastor was... He did, because, you know, some pastors, some Christian leaders, they do some sort of counseling and therapeutic measures. So we made sure we had a scene where the father actually talked with the pastor, and they had that heart-to-heart, man-to-man conversation. So we really pushed mental health awareness um, during that show, and I'm a strong advocate uh, for mental health awareness as well. I am, too. I think it's so important. Um, but you actually, and I mentioned this, of course, in your bio, that you were ordained in ministry in November of 20, uh, 2008 and then yes. was inducted into the Academy of Young Preachers. And um, in May of 2013, you founded Ministry is Me Ministry. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us how, you know, tell us more about that ministry, how it got started, what truly um, brought you to this, and, you know, talk a little bit more about, about your, your ministry. Absolutely. Well, my my ministry background is a little complex. So I was born Baptist. I was born into a Baptist church. I was raised non-denominational. I transitioned probably like my 12, 13 to a non-denominational church. And then my ministry was cultivated in an apostolic church. And now I serve in a full gospel church. So my whole ministry journey is very uh, complex and vast in the different you know, denominations and traditions that they all adhere to or choose not to adhere to. So when I uh, made my way into the apostolic church, which was a transition that happened through college, I was absolutely floored. Because like I said, I grew up and I was born into a Baptist church. And at the non-denominational church, of course, we believed in spiritual giftings and speaking in tongues and praising God. But the apostolic church is just on a whole nother level. It was just like, wow, like mm-hmm. I really was able to seek God and, and actually, you know, experience prophetic movements and participate in prophetic movements and hear God, you know, and actually hear God. Um, so it was kind, it kind of became a culture to me. Um, I was taken in by a local uh, bishop at the time. He's since moved to Atlanta and passed away earlier this year. But I was taken in under his wig, and he cultivated me. I, oh, man, I tell you, I was rough around the edges. I was rough around the edges. Him and his wife and his children, they took me in, cultivated me, started preaching. And then when I was inducted into the Academy of preacher Preachers, that is what completely opened my eyes to that there was so much more than what I had experienced in Dayton, Ohio, than what I had experienced, mm-hmm. you know, in Columbus or Cincinnati because the academy composed young ministers that was on fire from different Christian denominations, but we were able to come together from all across the country and all across the world, somewhere from Canada, and, and really, you know, seek God and cultivate the gift. So that is really what propelled me to start Ministries Me Ministries because it was the atmosphere, it was the people that I was around. Everybody was moving and shaking. Everybody was moving on what they heard from God because I can even tell you there were things that God was telling me 
and I would ignore it or I would think it wasn't him or I would talk myself mm-hmm. out of it. Oh, I don't have the money for that or I'm not the person for that. People don't know me. I'm a woman. I'm black. Like, you would talk yourself out of things, but it was when I got in that atmosphere when I was like, okay, we can do this because we were pretty much pushing each other. And the people that I went to the academy with, we're still close to this day, like close. Like I could pick up the phone, call them, they call me still close because of that moment, those moments that we shared together to where we were taking the journey together. We were hitting our heads together. We were searching the scriptures. We were trying to make sense out of preaching points together. So the movement here that I brought back to Ohio was just an extension of what I had experienced when I went to the academy. And at the time I went to the academy, it was in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, since then, it has been all over the country. But I I had the honor of participating in this uh, incubator state. I probably, I think I got inducted the second year that it was established. So we were really, like, in the nitty-gritty, the groundworks of it. Um, it was just amazing. So it, it was like I just, I just brought that movement back here, and I said, okay, how can we as a community, as a young community, come together in Christian unity and do something, make something work, serve our community. So that's pretty much was the basis for me, was just to reflect and echo what my brothers and sisters were doing across the country. Absolutely. And tell us more. So I know that Ministry is Me Ministries um, is there to help with event hosting, project management, community empowerment. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us mm-hmm. a little bit more uh, uh, about how you help others in that aspect? Sure. So um, the we actually just went through a rebranding stage during the beginning stages of COVID. Um, so we were able to really take what we had done over the last 10 years and put a title on it. So before, uh, was it March, March, April of this year, it was really just, we just going to do whatever needs to be done. So one month we were paying mm-hmm. DPNL bills. Another month we were hosting church services. Uh, uh, one month we were collaborating with other organizations in the city and uh, doing a lunch and learn about salvation. So it was, we were doing a lot of things. So once I was able to sit down with a, a consultant and tell them and show them all that we've done, that's how we got to the event planning and the, and the event hosting and the project management because that's what we had been doing is, was just multiple projects. So we were able to really hone it in and put a title on it. So what we do is we work with faith-based organizations that want to put any type of event together, that want to start any endeavor. So we have clients. Uh, we have one client. We helped her start a podcast. We have another client. We're mm-hmm. helping write a biblical curriculum. Um, we've done launch parties. We've done um, um, product parties. We've done all types. Like what, basically whatever it is that you want to do, we have the resources and the connections to make it happen. Uh, we know photographers, we know graphic artists, we know uh, venue uh, owners, we know, I mean, it's, uh, t- if you want to get T-shirts made, if you want to get any type of um, product made, like we have just been doing what we've been doing for so long that we developed a network and we really didn't even realize it. Uh, so now we're mm-hmm. able to help those people make those connections and bring their um, their their ideas to manifestation. Um, I think that my company is so special is because we work with people that have never done anything like this before. We work Mm -hmm. with people who are afraid, who are scared, who honestly know that God is telling them to do something and calling them to do something, but they don't know how to take the first step. They don't know what to say or what to do. So I think that's really what separates us from the rest is that we actually pull that greatness out of them while allowing them to manifest their vision at the same time. That's good. That's good. And I think it's such a huge need in communities, you know, all over and, you know, especially within our community. So um, I think it's amazing you know, what you're doing and what you actually started because it's it's a huge need in our community. So what advice do you what advice do you have to give to others who are, you know, looking to start their own business? Um, the advice that I would the advice that I would give is one, do it even if you're afraid. Um, and two, do it even if you have to do it by yourself. Um, I think a lot of times we talk ourselves out of things internally, and then we also allow external factors 
to to halt our progress. So I could be completely transparent tonight. For a long mm-hmm. time, it was my mother. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I truly believe she did not do anything intentionally. She's just a baby boomer that just believes you get up and go to work every day. I mean, she's been working the same job for 45 years, like going into the same building for 45 years, um, not so much doing the same job. Of course, she went up in the ranks, but same company, same building for 45 years. Um, I appreciate that. It kept food on the table. It kept clothes on our back. She was a single mother. She was working. But that developed a certain type of expectation or a certain type of unrealistic expectation that was placed on me that you need to go to school, finish school, go to work, clock in, clock out, chill on the weekends, and do it all over again. So when I first really started getting my feet wet and putting some salt and pepper on what God was calling me to do, it was my mother that was in my ear you are you sure you gonna do this? How you gonna pay these bills? Don't be trying to come to my house. Blah, blah, blah. Now I know if if the rubber hit the road, I could go to her home. But she was just being the mother that she knew how to be. But for some people, that would completely ruin your mojo. It would kill your spirit because it's your mother. So if she's telling mm-hmm. you, oh, you should do it this way. You shouldn't do this. You so you shouldn't say this. Oh, she hates my videos. She hates my podcast. Because I just said like it is, but she's, don't do this, don't do that. So you have to be firm in your decision. If you're going to jump off the ledge and do this, make sure you're ready to jump, even if you don't have a parachute on. If God is telling you to That's jump, right. you jump and trust that he, it's going to be a cloud that catches you. It's going to be a soft mm-hmm. pillow on the top of an RV that catches you. You just have to trust <laughs> that God is going to take you, and it's when you completely lose yourself and be free to the Spirit and yield it to what God is calling you to do that you will see success. You will see people buying in. And let me tell you, it won't be the people that you think it would be. (laughs) It ain't the one that you you were thinking on. Like, oh, I know A, B, and C, and D is going to support. I know they're going to show up. And that's okay. Uh, Because, you know, another thing that I realized here lately is that your your friends and family are not your audience. I'm going to say that again for those that are listening. Mm-hmm. Your friends and family are not your audience. Why are they not your audience? Because they have watched you grow up. They have watched you hit your head. They watched you with your, when your nose was crusty and runny. They, they seen you when you was acting up and cussing people out and when you was doing things you shouldn't have done. So it's hard for them to turn on this lens, oh, you're a professional now? Oh, you have your own business? You doing this? You selling this? You saying this? You saying that? They're not going to be your audience. Those are not the people that you're called to. Those are the people that are called to you. But that's not the people mm-hmm. that you're called to. So you have to allow your voice to be heard. You have to be fearless. You have to trust God so that you will find your audience. You will find the people who God has called you to. So I would say do it even if you're afraid and do it, do it even if you have to do it by yourself. That is so real. Oh, my goodness. That is so, <laughs> I'm just trying to tell that you, is I'm so trying real. To tell you. Yes, it is. I mean, that's that's yes. real talk, you know. So, you know, everyone that's listening, that is definitely real talk. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're a business owner already, you can, you feel, I know you feel that. Um, yeah. Because I feel it. And I feel it, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. I do, too. I, yes. I put on this poker. Yes. Let me be transparent for those that are listening. I am terrified every day. <laughs> I'm terrified. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nobody's going to be a client. Nobody's going to buy a shirt. Nobody's going to watch this video. Nobody's going to listen to this. You are, you are taking the chance of putting yourself out there. You are your own brand and your own billboard. You're your mm-hmm. own money maker. So when you're putting yourself out there, there is a level of vulnerability that you have to take because you have to understand that everybody is not going to like you, everybody's not going to like what you say, and everybody's not going to like what you do. And it's not because mm-hmm. it's you. It's them. I don't like heavy metallic music. I don't like raw mm-hmm. sushi. I don't like uh, going <laughs> skydiving. But that doesn't mean that other people don't and those venues aren't right. making money. It's just not mm-hmm. for me. So you have to look at that in, in, in a different view. You have to take yourself out of it and put yourself in their shoes. 
your your style may not be their taste. It's nothing personal. It's just something that they don't like, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I feel it, too. It's terrifying. It's terrifying, but, again, mm-hmm. you have to do it if you're afraid. You have, you have to, to do it. Done. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. As I say, you jump and build those things on the way down. Yep. You just you have yeah. to you have to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. So what would you say has been your biggest accomplishment um up to this point? Uh business wise or just overall? Overall. So if you wanna, you know, go from the business route or personal? Um um business wise I would say um Remaining debt-free, that's a huge accomplishment mm-hmm. for what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, when I did the show, I did the show at the Dayton Convention Center. Those that are listening from Ohio, from Dayton, you know exactly where that is downtown. That was a pretty heavy bill, and I did mm-hmm. it with no funding. Um, I didn't have any um what's the word, uh, donations, I didn't have any supporters, not because I didn't ask, not because I didn't, I just didn't ask, I didn't know what I was doing, like when I tell you I just threw, mm-hmm. threw the line in the water and see what I caught, that's exactly what I did, so the whole show was paid for from my, at the time I had a really good job at HR, so it was paid for from my personal pocket as well as from ticket sales. So mm-hmm. I really praise God that I didn't have no bill after that. Um, that was so far that has been the most expensive thing that I've done. Um, so that with other things, I think the hugest accomplishment business-wise is remaining debt-free. And I give all glory to God. I don't, I don't want to drink yes. this, but remaining mm-hmm. debt-free is definitely a huge accomplishment for me. Absolutely. And then, what would you say has been your biggest? Uh, challenge that you faced so far? Uh, the biggest challenge would be um, finding my team, uh, finding the support mm. that is needed. Um, and then it's, it's been a learning process for me um, because, again, in those initial stages, you have the tendency to take things personally. But, again, just like the same thing with your team and your staff, everything that you do is not their cup of tea. And it's their prerogative to say, I'm going to, you know, serve alongside you while you do this, or I choose not to because of my personal ideologies and, and um, morality. So um, it's it's finding that perfect fit. I honestly feel like, and again, this just happened in April, March, April. I can't remember that date, where I, I feel like I'm finally finding that, that team that we're we can flow together. It's not a, mm-hmm. oh, well, you should do it this way. Like, it's a respect. Like, we all have personal relationships. My best friend, I was even able to hire my best friend. We're best friends. We work together on the podcast, and she also works together with me on the business side. Um, but we are all able to keep it professional when it comes to the business. We communicate through emails. Um, when it comes to the business, we only talk about business on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So it's important that you set those boundaries um, when you're a, a small mm-hmm. business and you're leaning on support from your friends and family because what you don't want to do is wear them out. What you don't want to do is stress them in. And then they don't even want to hang out with you. They don't want to have a glass of wine with you <laughs> because you're going uh, to upset them. So, again, this is something that I've learned over the years. I have hit my head plenty of times um, doing this. So, um, mm-hmm. I would say, um, I forgot what the original question was. My husband just distracted me. Um, <laughs> the, biggest, the biggest challenge. Yeah, the, the biggest challenge. challenge. The biggest challenge mm-hmm. is finding that team. Um, because even mm-hmm. though you can do it by yourself, there will come to a point to where you will grow to where you can't do it all by yourself. You that's just right. Can. That's right. Um, and, and that's just being honest. If you're growing, you know exactly what that feels like. It's not that mm-hmm. you, and for it to be done right, you need to have a team, and you need to have a solid right. team. So, yeah, the biggest challenge is, is finding that solid team, but I do believe that mm-hmm. I'm here now, and we're just ready to keep building and growing. But I definitely have my core and my foundation. That's good. That's good. And, I, you know, I completely agree with you on that. It, it, that definitely can be a challenge, um, especially, I mean, even through the process. You know, once you have someone early on, 
that you're working with may not be the same person that you're going to continue working Absolutely. with. Absolutely. can't tell you how many times you may get in partnership with somebody and then you realize, okay, mm-hmm. this is not the best partnership. Yes. I need to keep yes. it moving. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, yes. absolutely. I think that, yeah, finding that good, that, that team that's going to support you um, is, mm-hmm. is really key. So then, uh, you know, of course, we've talked so much as far as, you know, from the business side of things. Is Would you say there, you know, what's the one thing that you wish you had have known when you started your business? I wish I would have known that my friends and family weren't my audience. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like for a long, I've wasted so much time. So for me, this is a side note, for me, time is so important to me. My day mm-hmm. is complete because I have so much going on. I'm not saying that to folks. I'm saying that, to be honest. I have a husband. I have a child. Mm-hmm. I do still have a full-time job. I work for the Boys and Girls Club. I sit on boards. Then I'm doing everything else that's my personal endeavors. So time mm-hmm. is so so, so, so important to me. So, man, I, I forgot what the question was again. I'm sorry. <laughs> what was the original question? <laughs> what's, the, what's the thing that you wish you had have known? Okay. You started so, so I wasted so mm-hmm. much time. That's all I did. I got you. I got you. I wasted so much time trying to beg and plead for the buy-in of my friends and family and getting offended and falling out and having all mm. out blowouts and discussions and arguments. For what? Like, I I just, you know, I just kicked myself. Mm -hmm. Like, I wasted so many years. That's about years. So Mm. many years thinking that if they don't have my back, then I don't have nothing. You know, like, okay, if they're not supporting me, then that means that I'm not doing it right or that I'm not. But, no, you need to expand and you need to put yourself out there. You need to advertise. If you have a business, don't be afraid to advertise. And this is why I was telling my team the other day. If they don't want to see it, they'll block me or they'll unfriend me. And that's perfectly fine. <laughs> that's I'm right. okay. Okay. I'm okay. Yes. Because for me, mm-hmm. social media is a business. Social media is not yes. like the world. I have real friends <laughs> that are not even on social media. That's how, mm-hmm. that's how, like, Say social that. media is. <laughs> I open the app. I do what I got to do. If you unfriend me, if you unblock me, if I, cause I, let me say this, I unfriend and I block people too because I don't want to deal with that's it. That's right. So I don't care. That's right. If you do that, so it's 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 the one I just really wish I knew that my friends and family weren't my audience. Mhm, mhm. That's so good. That's so good. And I like the fact that you said the time is so important. Um, and you know, it's the fact that you wasted the time, and you know, yeah. time is something that we definitely can't can't get back. And you know, no. we both know that social media. Um, you know, I too can say that social media for me, it's, it's, it's all about business and the brand mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. And, the, and <laughs> that's it. And that's all. So absolutely. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's good. Good stuff. Absolutely. So what would you say is, um, something that truly, you know, inspires you to live your best life? Oh, um, the fact that I almost died twice in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, so just a quick, quick testimony. I have Crohn's disease. I've had Crohn's since I was 13 years old. Um, I'll be 33 in October. So that's 20 years of dealing with this chronic illness. And so mm-hmm. I've been in and out of the hospital, surgery after surgery, but it wasn't until 2016 that things really got real. I had to get a surgery. The um, doctor made a mistake sent me home, and I was, like, about to die. Uh, rushed me back to the hospital, had to do a lot of surgeries. Um, it took me, like, a whole year to recover. I was good for a couple of months, then I got sick again. So sick to the point to where they couldn't even um, – I was at Mommy Valley Hospital. They didn't even know what to do with me. The surgeons would come in mm-hmm. and say something. The uh, hospitalists would come in and say something. The gastrologists would come in and say something different. And then they just conflicting reports to where they was like – they threw their hands up, and they said, we're going to send you up to Ohio State. Went to Ohio State, went through a series of tests and all over again. I mean, it was just horrible um, to where they finally was like, all right, we're going to have to give you a total collectomy because there's nothing that we can do to save you and to save your inside. So we're going to have to take something out or it's going to take you. So I did yeah. the total collectomy, went through rehab. But it was like that time was so scary. Um, both months, both times I spent two months in the hospital, both times. So that was two months that I was away from my child. 
at the time I was a single mother, um, and at the time her father was not involved. So I had to really lean on my support system. Um, they took mm-hmm. care of her. They fed her. Didn't ask me for a dime. I'm so appreciative even to this day. Um, but that was time away um, from her, especially when I went up to Ohio State. I was only able to see her on the weekend, and that was one day for a couple of hours. So we lost mm-hmm. that bonding um, both times. When I came back, I had to work on that bonding with my daughter because she had become um, attached either to my mother or to another friend at the time, and I had to get that separation anxiety. We had to work through that. We went to therapy, another Mm -hmm. therapy point. I put my daughter in therapy because she had suffered something traumatic. She saw her mother um, in a hospital bed. She saw her mother with tubes down her throat and all around her and IVs, and I had an IV in my neck. She saw that at a young age, Mm -hmm. and I think it's important that we acknowledge that our children are so fragile and that even though she was only four or or two at the time, that's something that she will remember forever because I'm her mother. Um, So it's important that I took her to therapy and worked through that. Um, So that that, uh, just the fact that God allowed me to still be here. I got to go hard. Mm-hmm. I got to go hard. That's right. I got to get everything out of me. I was so close to death, and I remember laying in the bed and regretting not doing this, mm-hmm. not saying this, letting this person get the best of me, not thinking for myself, not doing for myself. And I was just like, man, is this how the end is going to be? And I really, you know, I thank God for that. I praise God for that time because everybody does not get – that moment to really say, man, Mm -hmm. this is the end, and this is how I live my life, this is what I did. So when I was Mm -hmm. able to bounce back and and get my health stable, I've just been hitting the ground running ever since. Yes. Praise God for that. Praise God. Amen. Yes. You know, you truly know that God has a plan for you. And for you, I mean, it's just amazing when, you know, we have, you know, different things like that that happens with our health that allows us to come through and yes. put things in perspective. So, yes, you know, praise God for, you know, you, um, you know, having the strength and getting through that process and then hitting the ground running and absolutely recognizing that this is what I, this is my purpose and I'm going to hit the ground running and live my best life. So praise God, praise God, yes, God. for that. Praise God. We, so we, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the COVID-19 crisis and, you know, mm-hmm. of course, how it's impacted, um, you know, you mentioned as far as how it's impacted, you know, the theater and the entertainment, um, mm-hmm. you know, and if share a little bit with us um, on how it truly has impacted, you know, you and um, your your business. It's because... Um. Now that we're, I don't want to say we're on the other end of it, but now that we're further more into it than we were a couple months ago, I can say with a surety that it has impacted me greatly. Um, Yes, Mm -hmm. we had a whole year planned out um, with the theater company, with my company. We had events. We had retreats. We had all these things planned out. You know how you spend December planning out the whole year. Um, right. right, you like, okay, we're going to do this in March. We're gonna Thank you for listening quarter. to the Empower Hour with Jerisha, and we where Jerisha out. speaks we with leaders, influencers, and motivators who share their journeys um, in personal so and professional hit, I'm not growth, empowerment tips, lessons learned, and keys of success that will empower you to be your best self. Follow Jerisha on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at JerishaMoore and visit EmpowerOnPurpose.com and remember to be intentional and be empowered and have a great day on purpose. So you're going to be away from me for, you know, a certain period. Like, it was just it was just a lot to where I wasn't even thinking about the business. I was just like, all right. I went through and I canceled events. I contacted the venues. I contacted vendors. I had to refund money. I had took up uh, vendor fees for future events. You know, we had I had to go through all of that. Um, but once I, you know, took care of all the loose ends, I didn't even think about the business. I was just thinking about my family. Um, my daughter uh, shifted. Uh, she was in the house doing digital learning 24 hours a day. Um, when my mm-hmm. husband would be off, all three of us are in the house 24 hours a day. So I was just focused on, okay, how can the family uh, find some sort of normalcy in this? Once we got, you know, on a good page and once we became, you know, accustomed to the new routine, that's when I really started looking at the business. 
And I was like, you know what? I'm about to redo everything. I redid everything, mm. new logos for everything, new websites, new business plans. I'm like, this is the moment to really just make this pop. So now that that's all done, we're bigger and better than I even ever imagined. When God said that he would do exceeding abundantly above yes. all you can ever ask or think, he means that thing. Because I never mm. in a million years thought that I would be selling shirts. <laughs> First of all, never thought that I would be an advocate. I mean, I've always been an advocate for social social justice and, and, you know, all of those things, but never to the point to where God is using me now and the connections that I'm mm-hmm. making. So I think that COVID was a great thing. It was a great thing because it caused us to really evaluate who do we really mm-hmm. want in our lives? Who can we really mm-hmm. live without? You know, being stuck in the house is like, hmm. Okay, it's okay if I don't see you, I don't talk to you. We saw that we can work from home. You don't have to go into the office every day to complete your job. I just feel like it was an amazing Uh time of creativity. I saw LLCs popping up everywhere. People starting their businesses. Mm -hmm. Um, It it has been an amazing thing to watch. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a quote by a great author that says it was the best of times and it was the worst of times. And I feel like that's Mm -hmm. exactly what we're still experiencing, even with the racial tension, even with uh, COVID mm-hmm. and people being laid off and furloughed. But then we see all of these great things happening. One of my great friends, mm-hmm. one of my great friends was murdered this year by mm-hmm. her by her child's father. And now another one of my great friends is about to have a baby girl. So it's like I'm mourning my friend, but I'm so excited about the new baby that's coming. And that's how I feel mm-hmm. about this year, we were mourning, mm-hmm. but we're excited at the same time. So I just really okay. feel like that's that's how it has impacted me the best. It's really allowed me to look at things from a fresh perspective, to really see things for what they are. Because when you just get in the daily routine of just doing it, just doing stuff, getting up, going to work, do this, do that, take your child, put her in the bed, and you do that all the time, you miss out on moments that you will never get back again. So that's exactly mm-hmm. what COVID has done for me. Mhm. Yes, it has caused all of us to have to step outside of our comfort zone. And, mm-hmm. you know, I too have had, you know, several friends that have started new businesses. It has allowed mm-hmm. us, you know, those that already have businesses to, you know, pull on our creativity hat and create new services. Yes. And yes. Absolutely. And I will say that I did, um, I was able to get the Black Single Mothers Matter shirt. So I am absolutely Woo! loving it. I thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your support. I appreciate that. Absolutely, absolutely. Truly, truly amazing. So this week's empowering quote was, success is not final. failure, Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts by Winston Mm -hmm. Churchill. Could you share what that quote means to you? Um, It definitely means to keep going. That's what I get from it. Um, Because, Mm -hmm. like you said in your intro, failure is inevitable. I mean, in anything. Like, I failed at cooking some pork chops the other day because I was so busy and I left them in the grease too long. I failed. So, failure Mm -hmm. is inevitable. (laughs) Um, So, it's not that it's a bad... I think sometimes we've been conditioned to believe that if we fail at something, that it's the end of the world. No, it just means that that did not work. What can you do differently to make it a success? So a failure is really a learning opportunity. It's one of the best things. Mm-hmm. I debrief with my team after everything that we do. So we just did a vending event. So it was like, okay, what can we do better? Yes, it was successful. Yes, we sold shirts. But what can we do better? And that's what I feel like this quote is saying is that even though you have succeeded at something, that's not it. It's what can you learn Mm -hmm. from the failures of your success? Because there's failures in the middle of success. What can you learn from the failures of your success that will keep you going? So when I hear that and when I heard what God gave you, that's what I get from Mm -hmm. it is that you just have to keep going and you have to learn from the failures and know that that there is failure in a success. Absolutely. That's good. That's so good. So what if one, if you could give one piece of of advice, to our listeners on how they can empower their own growth and success journey, what would what would that be? Be unapologetically yourself. Be mm-hmm. unapologetically yourself. I just learned mm-hmm. this when I was 30 years old. 
But, again, God created each and every one of us the way that we are for a reason. He doesn't want mm-hmm. another T.D. Jakes. He doesn't want another Oprah Winfrey. He doesn't want another Ayanna Van Zandt. He doesn't want another Kobe Bryant. He wants a who you are, your first and your last name. Be unapologetically yourself. It's not until you're unapologetically yourself that you will actually find your audience. Because when you're being iridescent and you're trying to put on, people see right through that. Or you'll get the mm-hmm. wrong people that, that – and people wonder, like, oh, I'm just a person. I made a public mistake or I said something or I did something. It's because you've been posing to be something who you're not. People know me so well. If I slip up and cuss, they're not going to unfollow me because they know that's who I am. Even though I'm a minister, <laughs> they know that's who I am because I have mm-hmm. been apolog- unapologetically myself. They love me for who I am. And, again, if you don't like it or if you don't love it, you can block me or you can unfriend me. And it's just that simple. You have to be yourself so that you can grow and so that you can succeed. Because at the end of the day, you face yourself regardless. You can turn on the camera, go live, take pictures, put on makeup, pose, show up, wave, smile, and then you go home and you hate yourself because for the whole day you haven't even acknowledged who you are. This is how we find suicide in successful people. Mm-hmm. How in the world? He got all this money. He did this. He did that. Why did he go and kill himself? Because he wasn't being his authentic self. That's horrible. Mm-hmm. That's horrible on your mind. It's horrible on your soul. It's horrible on your creativity because you have to alter your creativity when your creativity is supposed to just flow freely because it's a gift that God has given you to flow freely. But when you try to alter it and you try to make it fit into a certain box, that is stressful. That is mentally straining. So be unapologetically yourself so that you can be kind to yourself and so that you can successfully grow. Absolutely. That's good. That's so good. Thank you for that amazing advice. I definitely hope that all the listeners will, you know, take heed to to that. So I know that early on um, you mentioned that you are in the process or, you know, are developing a single mother's journal that will be coming out around sometime um, next year. Could you yes, share if you, if you have any, any other, uh, any other things coming up on the, on the horizon? Um, the single mother's journal is our current project. Um, I know I'm definitely going to put another show on the stage. Um, it's just waiting to see what COVID does. I know my production company, the partners, we had even discussed doing August 28th again because there's going to be another March on Washington on August 28th, and we just thought it would be special to rerun the musical. Mm-hmm. But after looking at the COVID numbers, we don't want to get the cast together to rehearse because it's a lot of dancing and sweating and singing and spitting and stuff. Like, we ain't got time for that. And then right. we don't want to be irresponsible in opening up a space and a venue for people to come together in large numbers. And even though we say we're going to practice social distancing and wear your mask and all that, we just felt like it just it wouldn't be conducive for the time. So I definitely want to put another show on the, on the stage, and the Single Mother's Journal is definitely at the forefront, the top list of my goals for sure. Absolutely. So I just want to take the time to say thank you so much. Yes, this ma'am. has truly been amazing to have you thank on you the show and share your story and journey. Um, you know, please share, you know, with the listeners how they can stay connected with you and support support your efforts. Oh, absolutely. Um, my website is TiffanyCountryman.com, T-I-F-F-A-N-Y, C-O-U-N-T-R-Y-M-A-N.com. Um, from there, you can find all my social media uh, links. You can also book me for any services. You can reach out, say hello. You can leave a review. Uh, my business page is ministryisme.com, M-I-N-I-S-T-R-Y-I-S-M-E.com. And, again, from there, you can find all of our social media links. You can book with us. You can buy a shirt. Um, if you go to those two websites, it will completely link you to everything else, all things Tiffany Countryman and Ministry is Me Ministry. Absolutely. Thank you so much. This has truly been an honor and a pleasure to have you on the show again to share your amazing, amazing journey. Yes, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me.
You're so welcome. So, listeners, thank you for tuning in to tonight's show with our special guest, Tiffany Countryman. Tiffany shared her amazing story and journey to encourage, equip, and empower you for growth and success. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, starting your own radio show or low-cost advertising, highlighting your book, business, or event, please email envisionb at empoweronpurpose.com. Please tune in next week where you will hear an amazing story and journey from another leader, influencer, and motivator. Until next time, be blessed. Thank you for listening to the Empower Hour with Jerisha, where Jerisha speaks with leaders, influencers, and motivators who share their journeys in personal and professional growth, empowerment tips, lessons learned, and keys of success that will empower you to be your best self. Follow Jerisha on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Jerisha Moore and visit EmpowerOnPurpose.com. And remember to be intentional and be empowered and have a great day on purpose. Purpose.